Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Four String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch and Skyler. Gentlemen, it's a fine Wednesday evening, and we're talking about college football. How are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, just trying to stay warm. I'm lo- Wait, how cold is it up by you guys? Uh, I think like low 50s, maybe. I love it. It's 70 degrees here right now. Well, hey, I mean, at least we don't live in Florida. At least we don't live in Florida. There's sharks in the streets. There Um, are sharks in the streets. Well, there's singular shark in the streets. There is the shark. Despite us cracking jokes about it, we do hope that everybody in Florida and in the path of the hurricane is safe um, and that uh, damages are left to a minimum. Um, You know, we at the podcast here, we support you. um, And you know, we just hope that you guys are able to uh, brave the storm. Speaking of braving the storm, um, we've got college football to talk about. Last week was not as crazy as, you know, previous weeks had been here. We've got, we had our games that we respectively watched. Not many, you know, massive upsets across the board, but a couple of very interesting games. Michigan survives against Maryland with a seven point win. Baylor beats uh, Iowa state. Uh, Number 11, Tennessee is starting 4-0 for the, uh, sorry, let me try this again. Number 11, Tennessee has started 4-0 with two wins against ranked opponents for the first time since they won the national championship in 1998, I believe. Um, Texas Tech beat ranked Texas. Um, Middle Tennessee State gets their program's first win against a ranked opponent when they take uh, the U to the fucking wood shack. Uh, Texas A&M appears to be bouncing back after beating number 10, Arkansas. Um, and uh, USC survives against Oregon State with a late game touchdown and a 17 to 14 win, um, among some other games that we had here. Uh, but we'll start off with the game that meant the least to all of us on the podcast, Wisconsin at Ohio State. Uh, we talked about how all of us picked Ohio State. None of us thought Wisconsin really had a chance. Um, And in all honesty, it was over by the first quarter. Ohio State jumped out to an early lead. Wisconsin could not recover. Um, Kind of what we expected, honestly. Any any talking points that you guys have from Wisconsin, Ohio State? It's understandable if you don't. It was an absolute slaughter. Um, I was going to say something. Um, I I have a question. Are the are the Badger fans in the room worried about the Wisconsin running attack at all? Because against Washington State and against Ohio State, it really kind of struggled. No, I'm not. I mean, Wisconsin ran for almost 200 yards against Ohio State. Yeah, but how much of that was off of the long Braylon? Uh, 75. Uh, Braylon? So even without it, they still ran for 100 and... Uh, yeah, about 120. Well, 117 without it, technically. Okay, just wondering. Yeah, I mean, Braylon Allen's like fifth in rushing in the country, so he's fine. Okay, just wondering. Mitch, any talking points on Wisconsin, Ohio State? Um, yeah, I mean, it was more of a scrimmage than a game, I guess. Um, I thought the defense would have put out better uh, effort, but at every level they were just getting uh, dominated um and i think a really big like key to why they weren't doing so good is just the youth and inexperience we have the inside linebackers because there's a lot of mistakes and 
a lot of stuff that they can't do that we kind of got used to having guys like Jack Sanborn and uh, Leo Chanel back there. So I think that really uh, hurt us. And I mean, like I told Brady after watching that game, John Torchio was probably the only guy who showed up. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, I watched Ohio state score on the first drive. I watched Graham Mercer, the interception, and then I turned the game off because it just wasn't worth watching. I knew how it was going to end. Um you know, there were Rafa. definitely there were definitely moments for uh, Wisconsin. You know, the Braylon Allen run. Um, uh, Chisholm Lucy actually had a pretty decent game. The, you know, the defense forced a turnover, which you know normally is hard to do against Ohio State. Um, but when you force a turnover, when I think you're already down like thirty-eight to seven or something at that point, um, there's no real merit in it. It it's just kind of what I've come to expect from the university of Wisconsin lately against ranked opponents, Mitch can correct me if I'm wrong, but Paul Christ is what one in nine in his last 10 games against ranked opponents. Uh, yeah. Against top 20 opponents against top 20 opponents. Um, so no, the, the Wisconsin program definitely has to take a hard look at itself. Huge win for Ohio state, obviously. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of been ragging on that offense and without Jackson Smith and Jigba, they took the last year's number one defense and they took him to the Woodhouse. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll keep bouncing around here and we'll head down to Ames, Iowa, where number 17 Baylor has uh, bounced back from that loss to BYU and beat, uh, Iowa state in Iowa state 31 to 24. Uh, I had, I was the one who was covering this game. Um, so I'll talk about my starting points. Um, despite what some of my co-hosts and even myself at times, um, have said about Blake shape, uh, uh, Blake Shapen, um, he had a fantastic football game, 19 to 26, 238, three touchdowns. Um, he was efficient with the ball. Uh, he was, I thought that he had really solid pocket presence um, uh, during the game. He uh, was only sacked twice. Um, oh, come on. Um, and he, he didn't show, obviously the college football rushing stats are always a little messed up, but he used his legs when necessary. My my issue with Baylor right now is that that running game really isn't where I wanted it to be at. Um, uh, Reese, Richard Reese had 21 carries for 78 yards, average less than four yards per carry. 19 of those 78 came on one carry. He had he definitely had a hard uh, day. But what I love for Baylor is that unlike in previous years where Baylor's had one really good wide receiver, um, Baylor's really shown an ability these last couple of weeks. To, to spread the ball around nobody on the team had more than five catches um and it was you had let's see one two three four five six seven eight eight different guys who had at least one catch um and 12 guys who ended up catching the ball uh on the day that's that's huge when you have when you're able to scheme guys open in that situation um you're you're going to become super efficient on first uh second and third down um what i'll say with Iowa State is – I know it's difficult because we've been spoiled with a lot of college quarterbacks, but if Iowa State could just fake, could just get a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over on a clip, um, they'd be a really, really good football team. But Deckers had, had a tough day, 23-36, 264, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Iowa State couldn't run the ball to save their life, had 66 total yards on 27 carries. Now, if you take the quarterback stat out of that, um, they ended up having 16 carries for 80 yards, which is much better. But even then, they abandoned the running game pretty early because Baylor jumped out to a solid lead. Um, and Iowa State was never really able to kind of get back to it. 
Um, even though Iowa State was eight of 15 on third downs, um, Iowa State, uh, you know, was better passing the ball um, all in all. But Baylor played Baylor football. They ran the ball really well. They were efficient um, on offense. Their defense stepped up. Um, they weren't committing turnovers th- or sorry, uh, penalties, three penalties for Baylor versus eight for Iowa State. And Baylor almost plus 10 minutes on, on time of possession. So it was there's been a lot of talk in the group chat about the future of Dave Aranda. But that was that was a really good showing uh, by Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears uh, against Iowa State. Uh, either of you boys have any uh, thoughts, comments on Bears versus Cyclones there? Um, first off, I, I would like to say I think that um, like something that needs to be taken into consideration. Um, and again, he uh, who's is Dickerson, right? That's the or Dickers is the quarterback. Deckers, yeah. Deckers. Deckers. Um, is that when you are going up against a, a Dave Aranda style defense, they are like they're they are very, very good at forcing turnovers. So, like, I would still wait to see um how the season plays out before i would start being like they need to stop forcing turnovers i will say it is even more like to to brady's point though i will say like when you're comparing it to how shippen played on the other side three touchdowns no interceptions 230 230 some yards um like it's it's very much it, it like you're seeing why did they why did they win the game by a possession they didn't turn the ball over like that's that that is pretty pretty self-explanatory um well and even so, then the game was 31 to 14 baylor and they let up 10 10 points towards the end of the game that were relatively yeah. meaningless so it, well, the yeah. score is the score is a possession um but the game well, wasn't necessarily as close as a scoreboard might indicate true but what i'll what i will always say is if the score does if if a score gets within one possession it's less and less meaningless if it gets with if it's still two possessions then i'm like okay it's meaningless but if there's Sure. If there's the opportunity for the other team to still score and tie the game at the end or win the game at the end of the game, like within the last two minutes, it's 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 still meaningful. Um, which again, I don't know when they scored their last touchdown with uh, they scored, oh, their they scored the last field goal with 50 55 yeah. seconds. So, like, there there was it still could have if they got that onside kick, which again, if you look at Florida, Tennessee, can happen. Um, the I, I still think Iowa State, like Iowa State is a well-coached team. Um, it's just that when you're going from a, a multi-year starter like Brock Purdy to uh, Hunter Deckers now, um, it is, there, there are growing pains with it. But I still think if you looked at Iowa State and you'd be like, okay, you're starting out three and one, I think they'd be okay with that. Um, I think one thing that Matt Campbell needs, like Dave Aranda has, has done something uh, impossible, which is take a team that, was basically dead in water. Um, one in and, eleven is yeah. One uh, in eleven the year yeah. before he took over, I believe. Yeah, dead in the water. Took over, took it over, um, and won a Big Twelve championship with it. Um, to and uh, a Sugar Bowl as well. Yeah, and, and a Sugar Bowl. Um, so like David Rain has proven that the 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 constant knock against Matt Campbell and Iowa State is that they haven't won ten games. Um, they still have that opportunity to do so, but there are some things that Iowa State needs to clean up. Like Brady said, uh, they need to be more consistent with uh, running the ball. Uh, they need to, uh, and Hunter Deckers does need to take care of the ball. Um, so those two things. But again, it's like that. This is exactly what I'm expecting out of these out of these two teams. Uh, good defense, run the ball, um, explosive plays, doesn't give up. Um, for Iowa State, like hey, uh, there's there was nothing there's nothing concerning for me from either team. Um, seeing the stat line and, and catching parts of the game. 
So speaking of concerning teams, let's head on down to Chapel Hill, where a defense that was non-existent once again did not show up as the Notre Dame Fighting Irish uh, beat the North Carolina Tar Heels 45 to 32. Notre Dame jumped out to a 38 to 14 lead. Uh, it was what well, was seven nothing at the end of the first quarter in North Carolina, and then it was 38 to seven after that. Uh, uh, Notre Dame outscored North Carolina 38 to seven after that. North Carolina attempted to mount a furious comeback. But again, the Mac Brown's defense is just non-existent there. Um, and Notre Dame uh, gets to 500 for the first time on the season. Um, let's uh, a- a- anything you guys want to talk about with Notre Dame, North Carolina there. Just generally surprised Notre Dame was able to put up that many points. I said it. I told you if there's yeah. a game to get the offense right, it's against a team that let up 62 points against Appalachian State. Or so like um but here's what I'll say. Derek May may be the most wasted quarterback in college. Oh, football. God. I mean, Definitely. five touchdowns uh, is insanely good at what he does, um, but doesn't have a defense that can that, that can help him at all. Like, there's yeah. no help on that side of the I it's, will say – It's him and Sam Hartman are in a very similar situation right now. I, I will also say, though, something that is somewhat concerning for me when it comes to North Carolina's offense is it does seem to rely on the big play. Um, Absolutely. Cause you have Antoine greens and 80 yard pass, 80 yard uh, touchdown pass Antoine green, like Antoine green had three catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and 144 of those came in two catches. So like, that's like, again, Part of as Notre Dame's defense, why the fuck are you letting up two 50-plus yard uh, catches for touchdowns? What are you doing there? What's happening? How is he getting behind you? Things like that. But then also it's um, they can score, but they score quickly and not and, – and they can't have a sustainable drive, like a long drive. I mean, you do have a four-yard pass for a touchdown. You have a three-yard pass for a touchdown. You have a four-yard pass for a touchdown. But, like – your leading rusher is May with 36 yards. You couldn't establish the run. Um, and when you're going into these long – when you're going into ACC season and you're, and you're talking about Pitt, you're talking about Clemson, you're talking about even Wake Forest, um, like some of those teams um, that also have aspirations, NC State, uh, teams that have aspirations of making the championship game. Um can't do stuff like that um you, you can't just rely on the big play because their defense well they, like their offenses are gonna are gonna are gonna be able to uh to win on time of possession specifically i'm thinking like pit pits offense has shown the capability of uh, being able to run the ball down your throat and um which yeah, i'm sure pat narduzzi is fucking loving right now um but doing stuff like that like you need you need to be able to sustain drives and take and take time off because because like you, you can't just rely on the big plays to continuously win you games no absolutely and, and let's talk about sustaining drives because that kind of moves to our pac 12 game that uh we highlighted usc versus oregon state now usc uh, your transfer showed up right caleb williams uh didn't have a fantastic day but threw the touchdown to jordan addison your other big transfer when needed and travis die the old oregon duck uh, picked up uh, 133 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown for you. 
but it was a 17 to 14 win against Oregon state. And I think for anybody watching the game, um, you can say with confidence that if it wasn't for the four interceptions, Oregon state through Oregon state would have won that game handedly. Their four interceptions turned into 10 points for uh, USC. And one of them happened right at the end of the game uh, to seal, to seal Oregon state's fate. Um, did, did, does this game worry you guys at all? I mean, uh, Caleb Williams, uh, 16 to 36, a buck 81 touchdown. Didn't have a fantastic day. Again, Travis Dye was great running the ball. Um, Jordan Addison, three catches, 42 yards, had the game-winning touchdown. But uh, Oregon State was just as good. Uh, Nolan, their quarterback, 17 of 29, a buck 67. His only issue was the four interceptions. Oregon State had 150 uh, yards on the ground. They uh, had two sacks on the day. Um, they were the better team when it comes to a time of possession was pretty much nil. Penalties were pretty much nil, um, you know, the same. So, so does it worry you guys, given that, you know, the PAC 12 isn't an especially difficult conference this year, at least we anticipate and uh, USC who comes off of, you know, demolishing a team like Stanford, not too long ago, gets, has a late season scare or a late game scare there against Oregon state. Uh, it doesn't really worry me just because I think it's more of everybody's just kind of sleeping on Jonathan Smith and what he's been able to do for the Oregon state program. I mean, obviously he showed it that defense came to play, um, and did a fantastic job. Um, you know, the offense obviously still needs work, as you said, with the four interceptions, but I think Jonathan sits just doing a really good job at Oregon state and really turning things around. Um, it, it seems like it can be sustainable. So I think it's just a little bit more of that. And, um, you know, just with the new head coach, a lot of new players with it being only their what fourth game. So there's still things that are going to work out. So I'm not, I'm not worried about, uh, this game, uh, game at all. Uh, I, I mean, I think the scoreline can reflect how you could be worried about it, but something that it does make me feel better for USC is that their defense is able to rise to the occasion and win a game for them. Um, because when their offense is lacking, that they can't um, go down and score the f- score points like we're, we we have become accustomed to seeing Mike uh, not Mike Riley, um, <laughs> Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley. I heard Oregon State. It was again, and it also points out Nebraska hired the wrong Oregon State head coach. Um, Should have hired Chris Anderson. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, no, 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 no. You guys can keep him. Um, the uh, Lincoln, how we are used to seeing Lincoln Riley's offenses score points that their defense, which was a, was it was a common theme at Oklahoma that their defense was struggling. Their their defense rose to the occasion and and took advantage of opportunities, and then they were able to score points off of it. Um, that's that's awesome. That's good. That's exactly what a, a well rounded team is supposed to do. Is that when one side is lacking, the other side picks up. Um, I still think it points to the USC being a well-coached team. I think it still points to the fact that USC, as of right now, is the best team in the Pac-12 because um, you're looking at ex- Oregon you could make a case for because they got utterly demolished by who I think we can all agree is the number one team in the country, um, like hands down. Yeah. Um, but uh, Utah's loss looks worse and worse um, every every passing week. Um, and, uh, it's hard to, 
it's hard. I, I can't doubt this team off of one bad outing. Cause like Mitch said, like, I think it, it, it's more of us sleeping on the fact of what Oregon state has been able to accomplish the last couple of years. I mean, being able to win uh, this uh, it's not called a civil war anymore. Cause they've all changed it. Um, uh, but win against Oregon for the first time in, in however many years, um, being able to actually uh, play consistent football, getting to bowl games, uh, challenging with power five uh, teams, something that we were, we no no one was ever used to Oregon state being able to do any of those kinds of things. Um, that that's part of it. And again, this is like you, the fact that you're able to play well against a team like USC and hold their offense to only 17 points, even with turnovers, mm-hmm four turnovers like the fact that four turnovers resulted in 10 points that's awesome for Oregon State's defense um but you, like I, I'm I, I'm not as cons- I'm not as concerned as some other people on the internet and, and some pundits are with USC because I I mean it's one it's one it's one bad game we've seen many many very very good teams have one bad game we saw uh Ohio State the year that they won the national championship have a bad game how many number two teams have lost in iowa or in uh, purdue or uh, uh any of those kinds of things like teams that have went on to win national championships have had bad games um I, i'm not concerned well well t- you know defense was definitely a big factor in oregon state versus usc where it wasn't a factor clemson versus uh wake forest here uh mitch you had clemson wake forest 51 51- to 45 double overtime shootout what were your thoughts on the game um yeah i'm willing to admit i gotta eat crow about uh big cinco down there at clemson he had a fantastic game uh you know 371 yards five touchdowns no picks completed 63 percent of his passes he i think he really took that next step forward and you can see why uh he was such a high uh, prospect to out of high school and what they saw in him um especially that second touchdown pass where he just threaded the needle and got it to the guy in the back of the end zone. That was an amazing throw and just shows how much he's uh, grown in the past year. So it looks like uh, he's finally taking that step, which is huge for them, which is going to put them back on that uh, level that we're accustomed to uh, what we've seen through in the past couple of years. Um, I think a reason why this game was kind of close is just because Clemson's like secondary was just decimated. I think like all the corners uh, playing that game were freshmen and uh, there's, it it looked rough. I mean, there was times where they had to like basically tackle the receiver down because otherwise it would have been a touchdown. So uh, just having that inexperience at corners, I think really kept uh, Wake Forest in the, in this game. Um, And then just kind of on the Wake Forest side, the, the Sam Hartman to Jamal Banks connection is it's crazy. Uh, that dude makes contested catches look so easy. And um, I think that's a really uh, deadly combination to look forward to, especially when we get closer to, uh, you know, ACC, the championship time. Um, But yeah, I think if uh, Wake Forest is going to want to win these games, they got to find a run game. Um, You can't have running backs go 21 carries for 73 yards or 10 carries for 27. Um, Even the announcer said it uh, when, the you know a defensive line like Clemson is knows that the you're only really going to pass that that just makes their job a lot easier so if they want to like win these kind of games they're going to have to find a run game to go with that passing attack now let me ask you a question Mitch Clemson walked into that game the fifth ranked team in the nation 10 penalties 120 yards 
They ran offense looked fine for Clemson. Uh, offense yeah. looked really good. Defense looked about as bad as Wake Forest's defense did. D- is Clemson the number five team in the nation after that game? Um, I think I, as of right now, I think they are uh, just because you know they're undefeated. Um, the offense is humming along better than I think a lot of people expected. Um, Wake Forest, we know, is a good team. Sam Hartman's a great quarterback, um, as we've seen it. Um, and it's just really hard to tell at this point just because there's not a whole lot of teams that, that are in that top 10 range that have really played a true opponent. And I think for Clemson to put 51 points on the 21st uh, team at the time um, and still – have the defense, even though they did have a rocky start playing with the mostly fresh and secondary to come up with the clutch play in the um, second overtime. Uh, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I, I, I mean, I, uh, Skyler, what are, what are your thoughts on Clemson way forest? First off, I have to eat my, I have to eat crow. I said that when it mattered most, Sam Hartman can make the play. Mm-hmm. He didn't. <laughs> Um, so I will eat grow on that. I still think he's a good quarterback, and I still think that nine times out of ten he does make that play. But in this most in this part, he didn't. And I have to I have to give props to uh, DJ U oh, every single time. I liked what Mitch called him. Just call him the big Cinco. Yeah, I'm not. I refuse. That's what he Ui Ui There you go. Um, I have to like think of. No, I'm not gonna say that. Um, but uh, I mean, I kind of. I, I agree with Brady. Um, number five team in the country doesn't make mental mistakes like that. Um, their defense doesn't play like that. Um, if I'm looking at number five team in the country, Kentucky and Tennessee, you can put either one of them there. I mean, you can look at both of them. Their signature win was their win against Florida, and now Florida's one and three. Um, well, Tennessee beat Pitt also. Tennessee did beat Pitt. So, like, you can put either one of those teams at number five, and I really wouldn't be, like, after what we've seen, like, I'm not shocked. Because Clemson's only real win is against uh, Wake Forest, and they played bad. Because um, I look at the other four teams ahead of Clemson, I think all of them could deserve it. You can put USC at five. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, they all moved up one spot anyway because OU lost, so you might as well just kind of pop them up another one. Um, I I I think this Clemson t- again. I'm I'm not going to. It's it's one game in which I saw, uh, uh, I saw them play well. It's it's one game in which I, I saw Clemson rise to the occasion, and even then it was so close. Um, and again, there is like you can give it more credit because Sweeney, like Dabo Sweeney, has built a culture there that wins national titles, that uh, is competing for ACC championships all the time, that produces quality players. Uh, we we know that they can do these kinds of things repeatedly, but with with how much they struggle on defense, I'm still concerned. Like I just said against North Carolina, I mean North Carolina, Clemson is going to come down to who can score the point, who can score last. It's not even like who has to kick a field goal first. Like it's just really that. Like I I don't want. That's not what we need in. Like, because then teams that do have quality defenses like NC State or um, maybe Pitt are able to, like, if they hold them, if they get an interception. Because, again, when it came down to a high-scoring game, Pitt was able to cause the turnover that won them the game. Like, no, I'm talking about – I'm talking about 
Pitt, like Clemson, like oh Pitt versus West Virginia. They got the interception. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. So it's like you need to make those plays. If you're not able to make those plays, then you're not going to win. And then we're talking about okay, if Clemson's a top five team, and I'm looking at who they're facing all around them, I don't know if they could beat those teams. Like I know for uh, the top four teams ahead of them, I know they can't beat those four teams. Like if you're talking, if you're talking Georgia, Bama, uh, yeah, Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and uh, Michigan, they're not beating those four teams because their defense, there is no defense at this at this point like they're not gonna be those four teams and then i look at the teams after them usc we were just talking about how usc's defense rose to the occasion only allowed 14 points um and played really really well uh, it's forced four turnovers clemson's not going to beat that team right now um tennessee and kentucky i don't think clemson can be either one of those teams because those defenses have arisen to the occasion and show that they can they can stop a team if they need to they can hold them to fewer points than they're supposed to get like those kinds of things um Clemson is so one-dimensional right now that it's not even funny and just how good their offense is, but their defense is struggling. Um, so like, it, it, like if I'm looking at the other nine teams in the top 10 and I'm like, hey, you're going to struggle against most of these teams, then you shouldn't be number five. Cause I don't think you're better than teams below you. Like that, then that that's the case. Like they shouldn't be five. They can still be top 10 because they probably are more talented and will win and have a better coaching than most teams in the country. But to say that they're top five just because their offense is doing okay, like I know, I know plenty of other teams that have really good offenses that should be in the top, that could be ranked like Kansas, um, but that aren't. And again, it's because of it's because Clemson gets the grace of having historic like a good resume in years past, and teams like Kansas don't. No, I mean I think all fair points, but let's talk about teams who are. Uh... I, I can't I don't even think you can say on the verge of resurgency. I think definitely resurgent. Skyler, you had Florida at Tennessee, and Tennessee pulled <laughs> off a big win, won their first game against Florida in I believe six years. Um in a 38 to 33 uh shootout. So what what were your thoughts watching the Tennessee volunteers for I think the first time this season, I believe? Yeah. Um Brady, I get it. I do I I get it. I I understand the hype there. Um I they have played uh they played a really really good game um if Hendon Hooker isn't already in Heisman talk he needs to be um just looking off of his stats alone in this game uh 349 yards uh, uh passing the ball two touchdowns went 22 for 28. Like that, that's insane. Just passing the ball, good stats, running the ball, 13 carries for a uh, hundred and twelve yards and a touchdown. Uh, he had that really long 44 yard rush that uh was able to kind of uh take the uh take the air out of Florida there for a little bit. Um I I the the one big thing he lost that fumble though, and that's something that 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 needs to um that that they need that he needs to work on. Um I mean, their defense, uh, four sacks on Florida. Um, they were able to – they had a, a key interception when they needed it. Um, they, they played a very, very good all-around uh, all uh, uh, 
game, uh, the the atmosphere at Rocky Top, you could tell was starting to get to Florida in terms of false starts, in terms of just bad penalties. I mean, they had ten penalty they they had ten penalties for only forty seven yards, but they were still penalized ten times. And when you're talking about game of inches, a game of like, uh, you need. Uh, you need to get those those just a couple like if they got a couple more yards they could have gotten field goals in situations that really hurts um uh the the rushing attack from florida really kind of uh uh was concerning especially when you have anthony richardson who's supposed to be a dual threat quarterback i mean he played i mean the sacks get put into consideration there too um and he had two running touchdowns like anthony richardson played his his ass off like let's let's be clear he was the only source of offense for this team but he can't be the only source of offense for this team i mean the guy by himself had 500 yards four total touchdowns only one turnover um i think no two turnovers he had a fumble um shorter looked really good uh but there's there's simple fundamentals that tennessee uh, can work on to make these games a little bit wider um but Florida needs to be so much more efficient. I mean, uh, Anthony Richardson only completed half of his passes, 24 for 44, just two passes over 50%. Um, they couldn't establish the run at all. Uh, Etienne only had – there was their leading rusher besides Richardson with uh, nine carries for 35 yards. They were trying to play catch-up there a lot, so I get it. Um, they were seven for 15 on third down. That's not uh, That's not good. Um like there's there's there was a lot more uh, efficiency things that they could have worked on. They had, they had time of possession thirty. They had almost ten minutes more of of, of possession than than Tennessee did. Tennessee just played a, a very very good game. I mean, in that atmosphere, I I do not. I it was it was fun to watch. It was honestly fun to watch, and I appreciate Brady for giving me the chance to watch that game. Um, but I I would say that if you're not on the Tennessee bandwagon right now, you probably should just get on right now. Um, because it's probably only going to go up. And I, I'm going to say, Kentucky Tennessee, that's going to be a great game, and I cannot. Uh, I look forward to that. Well, Tennessee has a fucking crucible of a schedule. Oh, they do. I mean, LS, yeah. LSU, Bama, Bama. Bama in two weeks. Kentucky two weeks after that. Georgia the week after that. And then yeah. you kind of close the season with Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. Um, which, by the way, boys, my prediction came correct. The Vanderbilt Commodores have won their third football game of the season. Um, so, uh, no, I mean, like this is this is a make or break for Tennessee. But I think that at the end of the day. If the Volunteers, even if they lose to Bama, Kentucky, and Georgia, and they win all the rest of their games, they finish the year 9-3, and three, that's a success of a season, right? To me, it's very similar to when Wisconsin had five top 10 opponents in their first, what, seven weeks of a season a couple of years ago, and they ended up going 2-3 and three in that stretch, but finished the season 9-3 and three overall. Like, Tennessee is not a program we were fully expecting to be a top 10 football team and yet right now they're showing to be a top 10 football team. Um, it's, it's, there's a lot to be excited about there uh, at Rocky top. And, and I, I love that the fans are, are fully getting into it. What I'll say about Tennessee and what they do so, so well, I think it's simultaneously their biggest strength and also their largest weakness is that it's such a fast offense, right? They, they, uh, I think their average play clock time when the ball is snapped is about 15 seconds left on the play clock. 
which is crazy. You don't get that with many teams. Um, so they run a lot of plays on offense um, and, and their defense is accustomed to being out there of 70 plays that Tennessee ran only nine of them happened on third downs. They only were in nine third downs the entire game. Part of that's on Florida. I think Mark, I, I think Norvell called a, a really bad game. I don't understand you're down. <clears throat> he was down um, 38 to 21. They score two touchdowns in the last five minutes, and both times they try to go for two. You're down by 17 points. It's three possessions no matter what you do. You're down by three possessions no matter what. I don't understand you attempting to go for two there in the hopes that maybe you can kick a field goal at the end of the game to win the game, but instead you just put your offense in a worse situation because you scored, didn't get the two-point conversion, scored, didn't get the two-point conversion, which meant that the only way that you could win the game was to score another touchdown. So those two-point conversion attempts at the end of the game really just made no, absolutely no sense to me. You're down by 17 okay. no matter what, three possessions no matter what. I get it if you're like, I'm playing to win the game, but you're not putting your offense in a position to win that football well, they game were in fucking that situation. Dumb. It was fucking dumb. Because if they if they had just kicked a field goal in both those instances, they they only needed a field goal to win to tie the game. Exactly. Like it was, it was fucking dumb. I honestly forgot about that. Thank you for making that point. Um, yeah, it just it, it made like if it was a if it was a situation where they were down thirty one to twenty five. Okay, I get it. You know. Yeah. Because then then you're looking to get the two point conversion to win the game. I understand that, right? But you're down by seventeen points. No matter how you fucking spin it, it's three possessions. So I yeah. don't I, I don't understand. And what it really meant was that by failing the two point conversion the first time. It kind of meant that the onside kick that they recovered was sort of worth nothing, you know, because you were still down by two possessions, no matter, no matter what you, no matter what you did at that point. Um, but that is our uh, weekend review. Obviously other games to talk about. Let's ask Skyler a quick question here. Skyler, how impressed have you been with Adrian Martinez and the Kansas state Wildcats after that win against Oklahoma? Um, I said it. Okay. First off, um, well, one thing I do have to say, Adrian Martinez has only thrown two touchdowns this season. Um, <laughs> and that is, that is something, um, but he hasn't turned the ball over. And I do have to applaud again. Uh, in the, in our college football preview, Brady said that Kansas state was going to be a, a sneaky team that you needed to look out for. And I said that Adrian Martinez, if Adrian Martinez is the quarterback that he was in Nebraska, there's no way that's happening. I don't know if it's because he's closer to his girlfriend um, and any in the long distance relationship isn't affecting him anymore. Um, if he's uh, released of tension or something like that, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, again, I have nothing as frustrating as it was. Adrian Martinez um, is a great guy and was a good player for Nebraska and I wish him nothing but the best down in Kansas state. And I got to say watching Kansas state beat Oklahoma with Adrian Martinez, uh, scoring the game winning touchdown. Um, it was, I was, I was very happy for him. I was very happy for K state. Um, especially the week after Nebraska couldn't do it. Uh, I, I was because I he's been he's had a lot of people come after him over the lot, four years at Nebraska and I think that the more and more we're seeing um since Frost has been fired is that maybe it was Frost and maybe there were some things because I don't think anybody could look at 
you know what i there are some dumb there are some things sometimes you just kind of have to you kind of have to invite the bullet on there um and uh i'm excited for him i'm very very excited for him and i hope kansas state continues to do well and i hope he continues to get the credit that he deserves because when you look at his stats in nebraska he was honestly like besides the 30 interceptions um he he played very very well and i'm glad i'm glad the thing i liked more than anything was all of the reporters and all of the fans and all of the and all of the nebraska players uh congratulating him on that because nebraska fans have the the have a, a reputation in college football um of not always being the best um especially when you're talking shit about our team or for former players but the outreach was good and i'm very very happy for him um and kansas state uh, is the second best team in Kansas, which is kind of weird. No, absolutely. And we'll get to the best team in Kansas, the Wichita State Shockers. Um, no. Um, so let's move on to our picks for Does next... Wichita State have a football team? I don't think they do. Yes, no. they do. Wichita what? State? No, they they're... don't because they're Division One, So they don't no. have a football team. I... Okay, I have to check this. I'm fair because that's where Ted Lasso coached. <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell Wichita? Wichita State. Nobody tell them. No, I figured it out. Damn it. <laughs> it's like it's like UNO or Creighton. They're Division One uh, programs. Oh so no, they, they, you know they don't. They ended it in 1986. Okay. Um, hey. hey, Mitch, high five. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> we got to pull down the banners. Mitch and Skyler were right. So let's talk about uh, the best football team in the state of Nebraska, the Wichita State Shockers. Um, Indiana travels to Nebraska. That would be um, Wayne State. Fuck you. <laughs> no, Shedron State. Um, Indiana travels to Nebraska. If you can't say it right, you don't get it. You don't get it. Sorry, Chadron State. Uh, Indiana travels to Nebraska to take on uh, the Cornhuskers in a battle of non-existent defenses at this point. Um, first time we've talked about the Huskers here in two weeks is they had a bye week last week, I believe. Um, Skyler, we'll kick it off with you with your team. Hoosiers, Huskers, who you taking? Um, this one's actually rough. Uh, you know what? I'll take Nebraska. I uh, honestly did write Indiana down, and I'm changing it. Um, I, I'm going to say Nebraska. I think, honestly, having uh, the – the, that bye week could not have come at a better time for Nebraska. Um, we needed it. Uh, as much as I really like Eric Shenander and what he was able to do for Nebraska, because again, before before Shenander was there, our defense looked like this every year. Um, he got it to a place where it was good. I, if you go back and listen to last year's podcast about Nebraska defenses, I was raving about how good our defense was. Um, but uh, that's not the case this year. Um, one thing for me, though, is that Indiana seems about as prone to mistakes as we are, um, specifically on the defensive side. I think that getting an extra week to um, recollect, to hit the reset button, to start fresh on all sides of the ball, offensive, defensive, the entire team, I think gives them opportunity. I continuously hear um good things i i mean nobody's gonna say bad things but even from the reporters they're not even they're they're saying that the team is focused that they're all set in that they're on one set one mind um they're focused more about nebraska than anything else because it um 
which is I good. I, I think Indiana coming off of uh the loss is gonna might have some pains um because that was a rough one for them against Cincinnati. Um and I think Nebraska has something to prove. And again, it's their fourth straight home game. Um and we did sell it out. So who knows? Um ultimately I'm just kind of hoping here now. It I, I think Nebraska can do it. Uh, in the last two games, Casey Thompson has played very well. Um uh out of AJ Allen. Um Anthony Grant continues to be a, a force at the running back position. Our offense is firing on all cylinders. I honestly think our defense giving an, an extra week to week to rest. Um they're uh and and getting some time to self-scout and figure out some kinds of things. I think that it, it gives us the opportunity to to actually win this game. Um I'm gonna pick Nebraska. Mitch, who's your Huskers? Who are you taking? Um yeah, I'll go with the Hoosiers just slightly. Um, I think it'll be a close game, um, but there uh, a couple things come out to mind to me is uh, Nebraska has given up 11 sacks so far this year, and Indiana's averaging about two and a half sacks a game. Um, so I think they can take advantage of that. And Indiana's 31st on third down offense, where Nebraska is 126 on defending on third down. So I think Connor Blazek can take advantage of that uh mismatched a little bit, but I think it's a close game. Otherwise, they're pretty similar on everything else. Um, Yeah. I have to pick the Hoosiers. I'm rooting for the Huskers. I'm picking the Hoosiers. Um, because the Hoosiers were a 3-0 football team before that game against Cincinnati. And Cincinnati is a much better football team than, let's say, like Georgia Southern. You know, like it's it they're just a better football team in my opinion kind of hands down i'm rooting for nebraska i think this is a winnable game for nebraska but the hoosiers are a better football team i think that coach allen and what he gets out of that hoosiers program that has a brutal schedule year in and year out and has shown an ability to be relevant at times you know um is something that even Nebraska would kill for, I think, in these last five years. Um, hey, I just like to say I'm one in four when I pick it by myself. <laughs> um, so yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go with. I gotta go with the Hoosiers there. Um, Mitch, we'll kick it off with you as Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema makes his triumphant return to Madison, Wisconsin, when the Illinois Fighting Illini take on the two and two Badgers. Now, last year when these two teams met, it was a twenty-four to nothing sh- uh, shutout by the Badgers. Um, but big old Bielema is showing back up in Madison. Who are you taking? Illini Badgers. Um, I say Bielema gets a win in his homecoming. Um, listen, uh, Illinois right now has the leading rusher in the country in Chase Brown. The dude's amazing. Uh, 604 yards, three touchdowns, averaging about six and a half yards a carry. Um, and as we just saw that rush defense give up uh, two 100-yard rushers in Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams uh, last game, uh, right now they're ranked 49th in rush defense. So it's not as stout as been in years, Ben. I think Chase Brown can take advantage of that. And Graham Mertz, he's having a better season, uh, probably his best season at Wisconsin right now, 791 yards, seven touchdowns, only three picks. Um, Got to love that. Um, but Illinois right now is ranked fifth in total defense, and they are stout in every subcategory of defense. So, I think it's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be a really tough test for uh, Graham Mertz. So, I just think that uh, Brett Bielema gets uh, the last laugh in this game. Uh, that's dumb. 
I'm picking Wisconsin. <laughs> um, Wisconsin's defense can. I'm just kidding, Mitch. You made wonderful points. Um, but I, I don't know how somehow I'm the only person picking Nebraska and Wisconsin because I feel like Brady's going to make a similar pick. Um, Wisconsin's defense continues to do really good things. Um, their offense. Uh, Graham Mertz. Honestly, until a game where we're expecting Graham Mertz to play bad, Ohio State. Graham Mertz has played very well. Um, in the loss against Washington State, he didn't turn over the ball. He was honestly the, the only sort of force, source of offense for that team in, in trying to pass the ball. Um, Breland Allen continues to uh, do amazing defensive things against uh, Vonta, good or bad defenses. Um, also, uh, I would be surprised if Bet- Brett Bilema makes it out of Camp Randall alive um, because from everything I know, Wisconsin fans hate him. Yep. Um, yeah, with a passion. Like, He's like the most hated person in Wisconsin outside of Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, and honestly, I think Jeffrey Dahmer is less hated because he brings revenue into the state. Um, uh, so that's like that that's saying something. This so I, I Wisconsin is the better team. Wisconsin is the better team. They've played they they lost against a good Washington State team, and the more I see out of the Pac 12, the more quality teams there are actually in that in that conference. Um the uh in illinois has played four games against teams that i would expect them to win four games uh i would expect them to win against uh like i'm not gonna pat illinois on the back for actually winning games they're supposed to win now um this is a game like if if illinois wants to continue that upper up up uh word path the the um to in a direction that uh, everybody hopes that they can reach this they need to beat wisconsin they've done it in the past i don't know they can reach it I, I, <laughs> Fuck he, he needs he needs the punching bag he needs the punching bag in the west and that's not nebraska um but uh like that that's something that you they need to be wisconsin they have in the past i'm sure that they can do it again but this year i don't think so um because graham Mertz is actually playing good football um i'm gonna go with wisconsin yeah so this one was tough for me um because it, it, illinois does have a very good defense um and you know wisconsin's offense has not looked fantastic um throughout these last couple of weeks but it this is listen graham Mertz's welcome to the big moment was against illinois now it wasn't brett bielema's illinois but it was against illinois and wisconsin has one let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve they've won uh 11 of the last 12 games uh, against the Illini um, obviously and, and even the last time the Illini beat him it was on a last second field goal because Wisconsin just kept turning the ball over there's going to be opportunities for Illinois to win this football game if they can get the run game going early they're going to be in a good position here but Tommy DeVito has not looked uh, statistically he's looked really good again against lesser opponents his biggest his best quality win right now is against a Virginia team that only just barely beat Syracuse and beat Old Dominion by two points uh, on the season as well. Illinois hasn't played anybody. Wisconsin, no matter how bad they looked against Ohio State, has at least played Ohio State and shown that, hey, we've got a halfback who can go for uh, almost 200 yards uh, against Ohio State. Hey, we can run the ball. We can force turnovers. Um, DeVito's been sacked nine times on the season compared to five for uh, Graham Mertz. I think Wisconsin's got a better offensive line. Um, I think Wisconsin's got a better defense, and I know that Jim Leonard is going to give uh, DeVito looks that that he is not used to here. Um, 
uh, Tom, one of Tommy DeVito's worst game, or no, he was at Syracuse before. I don't know why I was thinking he was at Rutgers. Um, there's going to be opportunities for Illinois to win this game, but I'm going to pick the Badgers to hold hold out there. Um, Bielema has never been on the other side of Camp Randall. You know, he's been on on the good side. He's never been on the bad side of Camp Randall. Um, and I expect I expect the crowd to be extra raucous uh, today. And Wisconsin needs a win. Here's what I'll say: If Wisconsin loses this game, Chris is out at the end of the season. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, I, Wisconsin is going to need to start to make some major changes if they can't pull off this win at home. Uh, against an Illinois team that is in many ways inferior to the Badgers. But I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick the Badgers. I think Gray Mertz, he's not going to have a fucking five touchdown two incompletion day, but I think he's going to have a, a solid day passing the ball. Look at um, you with the optimism. Right. Yeah. I'm going to pick it. And if I, if Wisconsin loses, I'm he's gonna, never doing it again. I'm going to throw myself off of a building. Um, <laughs> So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see you guys, the future of this honest, podcast. Is... I'm going to be honest between Brady's statement of, I watched Ohio state score and then Graham Mertz throw an interception and I turned off the game. And if they lose to Illinois, I'm throwing myself off a building. Neither one of you can make it as Nebraska fans. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And uh, I, you know, it's my thing is, and, and I've made my point on this podcast several times. Um, I just don't like to be hurt. You know, and that's sort of the thing about being a sports fan is that there's only one team at the end of the year who can win it all, regardless of what sport um, you're a fan of. And unfortunately, my teams have have done pretty good historically all in all, but have not been known to win big games uh, as often as I would like them to. Uh, so, no, I just take an eternal view of pessimism when it comes to football. Um but I said I'd throw myself off the building against the, after the Washington State game, and I didn't. So who knows what's going to happen. Um, let's head on down to Lawrence, Kansas. Little Lawrence, where the 4-0 Kansas Jayhawks are going to be hosting the Iowa State Cyclones. Now, Lance Leopold, Jalen Daniels, and this Kansas team is rocking right now. However, 60% of the nation is picking Iowa State to win this football game. Um, and Iowa State is favored as the road team by three points against Kansas. Uh, I'll kick it off here with my prediction. Kansas, Iowa State. Listen, man, the fun has to end at some point for Kansas, doesn't it? it it's been nice. The, the road has been fun to watch through four weeks, but... I fully anticipate that it continues as they beat Iowa State. I didn't like what I saw out of the Cyclones last week against Baylor. And while Kansas does not have the defense that Baylor does, not by the stretch of the imagination, Kansas has the offense that many teams across this league, uh, across the nation, wish that they had. And what I love most about Kansas is that they haven't really shown a propensity to turn the ball over, which is massive. Uh, Jalen Daniels, for as good as he's been slinging the ball, he's only got one interception, 11 touchdowns. He's got 320 yards and four touchdowns um, on the season. So this dude is averaging three passing touchdowns a game, about 300 passing yards. And then he's turning around, he's averaging about 80 rushing yards and a touchdown per game. Um, and, and Kansas just has the ability to whip it around to everybody. They run the ball very well. They pass the ball very – not – yards wise extremely well but they're very efficient um passing the ball iowa state definitely has the defense to win this game but i'm gonna believe a little bit harder in lance leopold and i'm gonna say rock chalk jayhawk as kansas goes to five and oh for the first time since 2009 i believe uh mitch iowa state kansas who you taking 
Yeah, I'm going to roll with Kansas as well. Um, like you said, uh, Iowa State definitely has the uh, brings a really great defense, and uh, Kansas unfortunately doesn't. But they've played better defenses, or just played better offenses, or just as good offenses this year as where Iowa State is right now. So they know how to play against it. Um, Jalen Daniels uh, this season when he's under pressure because he'll probably be just as how good the Cyclones' defense is. Uh, 14 of 19, 235 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and 85 passing grades. So the he's not afraid of a little bit of heat. I think the key matchup that's kind of going to decide this all is uh, Kansas's eighth rushing offense in the country versus Iowa State's seventh rushing defense in the country. I think whoever wins that battle is going to be the victor, and I think it's going to be the Jayhawks. I'd also like to point out that a lot of can or a lot of Iowa State's defensive stats are padded by the fact that they got to play Iowa this year. <laughs> That's fair. That's completely fair. Um, I will also say I'm going with Kansas because shit, I, they're gonna lose. As, Damn as it, Skyler. As I <laughs> no, fuck you, fuck you guys. I got to show support for my future head coach somehow. Um. Bill O'Brien is a coach there. I God, for the love of God, I really hope Bill O'Brien does not become the next head coach for Nebraska. I would literally shit myself. Um, of excitement. <laughs> is that a promise? <laughs> yes. Um, I just really like Kansas. I don't really want them to keep winning because the more they win, the better it becomes. And the better it becomes, it just fucking great. I love this for him. I, I love it. Like, even if, like, all jokes aside, like, I don't – I have no idea who who the next Nebraska head coach is going to be. It could be one of these two guys. It could be Dave Miranda. It could be Bill O'Brien. It could be, you know, some motherfucking stay-at-home dad it's in Scott California. Yeah, it's Scott Frost again. <laughs> it's in a mustache, yeah. Yeah, it, it could really be anybody. I don't I, – I, at this point, I don't care. I'm ready for the season to be over already as a Nebraska fan. Um, It's all. Uh, but you're taking but, Kansas. But I'm taking Kansas, yeah. Um, because the more they win, the better it becomes. And I honestly really love it. I love I want watching Kansas play against um Duke. I love the perseverance that they had. They had uh, Jalen Daniels is I I message if Jalen Daniels like who like how do people not know about him? How is he not getting more hype? How is he not getting Heisman watch? How is how is this not happening? This guy is electric. He is a good player. He is a wonderful leader. Um, Lance Leopold deserves all of the credit that he's getting. The defense even showed up in these different games. They've they've played well against quality uh, opponents. Duke is not a team to to Duke and Houston aren't teams to just throw like just to ignore their action that they are good teams they've continued there's a reason that houston was picked to be the 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 cincinnati this year um dan holmgren is is a is a pretty good head coach i don't i don't understand some of the decisions he makes like the like the the mullet but um there's too many mullets in the big 12 for me um kansas is i i think kansas is gonna win i think that they're gonna win by at least two possessions um and i'm excited because i i Iowa State's offense, I don't think can compete right now, um, and that and that's really where I want. Even with Xavier Hutchinson and Deckers, who I who I like both of those guys, I honestly think it's going to be a really good game. Um, but Kansas pulls away at the end. So let's head over to the ACC, where we have an Atlantic showdown. 
Number 10, North Carolina State travels to Death Valley to take on number five, Clemson, in a battle of unbeatens. Now, Clemson beat ranked Wake Forest last week. North Carolina State really hasn't played anybody. East Carolina, who they beat by a field goal. Uh, CHSO, uh, uh, Charleston Southern, sorry. Uh, Texas Tech and uh, UConn are North Carolina State's resume. So this is truly their first actual game of the season here. Um, we'll kick it off with Skyler. Skyler, North Carolina State, Clemson. Who are you taking? Um, I'm sticking by what I my prediction for the beginning of the season. Um, when I was the only one of the three of us to pick NC State to make it to the ACC championship game, I think that the hype around them continues to build. I think that they continue to play well, and I think that they show how defense actually needs to be played um, when they beat Clemson this week. I, I like what they what they're able to do. Um, it's a top ten uh, top ten battle in the ACC. Uh, they only have a sixteen. Um, a uh, 16.5% chance of winning according to ESPN's FPI. Um, but uh, between Leary, uh, Sumo, uh, Thomas, all wonderful players. Um, absolutely love everything that they're doing. Um, they can match head-to-head with anything that Clemson can throw at them offensively. Um, defensively, they're only allowing 12 points per game. Um, they're having nearly as many yards, uh, about a touchdown less, but I think it makes up for it and how well their defense is playing. Um, they're not allowing, they're only allowing anyone yards rushing on the season, um, less than 200 yards passing. They're, they're playing wonderful defense. Um, and that's going up against, um, uh, a, a really good, uh, offensively Texas tech team. Um, they continues to play good offensive football, um, that they, uh, they were able to win close games against ECU, whereas Clemson has played Wake Forest, and that's it. And they won in overtime, barely. Um, uh, the other team is Georgia Tech, who just fired their head coach and their AD. Um, and then Furham and Louisiana Tech. I, I have NC State. This is the toughest uh, game that they're going to be playing, and I don't think that they're, Clemson's going to make uh, make it out alive. They will die. Okay. Uh, Mitch, who are you taking? Um, I'm going to go with Clemson. Uh, I really don't have a big reason for it. It's just a gut feeling. Um, I guess I'm not sold on NC State just yet. Uh, I think the first game against East Carolina still has a bad taste in my mouth, only beating them by one. So I'm going to roll with uh, the Tigers until I see NC State impress me. Yeah, so these two teams played last year, and North Carolina State ended up winning the uh, the game there. Now, outside of their loss to the eventual national champion, um, Georgia, which I think is, it says it's a home game for Clemson, but I actually believe that that was, yeah, it was played in North, it was played at, uh, in Charlotte. Um, so it was a home game. Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't played in Death Valley. Um, uh, cause Charlotte, North Carolina versus Clemson, yeah, I, South Carolina. Um, I know, but it's, you, so you go, so it's even farther away from Georgia. Yeah, exactly right. Um, I'm trying to see when the last time Clemson actually lost a home game was, but my thing's not working with me right now. I'm taking the Tigers also. Um, it took a lot of grit for Clemson to win that football game last week uh, against Wake Forest. I thought they showed out very well. North Carolina State hasn't played anybody, and their toughest game was against an East Carolina team uh, that by no means is uh, good. 
Good. Yeah, yeah, I know that, you know, that's kind of exactly or average. They, they just lost to Navy last week. Um, so I, I don't know. I, North Carolina State could definitely win this football game if it was in North Carolina, um, but it's not. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Tigers in that home crowd to pull off the win. I think the defensive line is is more than enough to make up for some of the deficient deficiencies in the secondary. Um, because North Carolina State is gonna want to run the ball. Um, in this game, I think Clemson's going to be able to shut that down. I'm going to take the Tigers to win. Um, I mean, guys, I I, I got to fight back a little bit. Texas Tech just beat Texas. They beat uh, Houston. Like, like Texas Tech, like Texas Tech beat beat Texas without Quinn Ewers. They beat a Houston team who started ranked and has kind of fallen off over these last couple of weeks. I'm not any. Like to say, but to say that and they like, beat they beat Texas Tech in North Carolina. Their one road game of the season was a last second field goal win against, uh, okay. you know, against East Carolina. Um, okay. And if you're struggling to play against East Carolina, I can't imagine what it's going to look like uh, in Death Valley. There, um, I'm really by myself on this <laughs> this no, episode. No, I mean I'm not saying that it's not an unwinnable game for North Carolina State. It they can absolutely win this football game. They're the number ten team in the nation for a reason. But I kind of felt walking into this year that North Carolina State was ranked as high as they were because of their success from last year, not necessarily what the roster and schedule was indicative of what their success this year was going to be. Um, so let's head on to Little Rock, Arkansas, when the Razorbacks get to host the Crimson Tide in a top 20 showdown. Number two, Alabama comes to town and everybody and their brother He's picking the Crimson Tide to win this game. Mitch, Alabama, Arkansas, who you taking? Yeah, unfortunately, I got to side with Alabama, even though I want the Arkansas to win. Um, this is really one matchup that kind of does it for me. The Arkansas right now is ranked 126th in pass defense, and they have to go against one of the best quarterbacks in the nation and Bryce Young. Um, so it's going to be very tough for them to overcome. Um but I will say I am excited to see Drew Sanders uh, play for Arkansas, the Alabama transfer, because the dude has been electric. Uh, pretty sure he's the leading sack in the country right now. So I'm excited to see what he does against his uh, old team. Um, yeah, I'm going to take Alabama also. Um, you know, Bryce Young has actually looked pretty good, given that his wide receiver room is – is pretty shaky this year compared to what we've expected out of Alabama in years pre, uh, prior. Uh, but Alabama still has a solid running game. I think that that halfback tandem that they have of um, uh, McClellan and Gibbs it, it is a really solid tandem. And Bryce Young isn't afraid to move uh, in the pocket and out of the pocket himself. himself. Um, I don't know how well this Arkansas offensive line is going to hold up against Alabama. And this is really kind of the, the mark of where Arkansas is, right? You last year, we were high on Arkansas and they got blown out by Georgia. They lost a couple of games against ranked opponents. This year you played number 23 ranked Texas A&M and you lose to a Texas A&M team that I think all of us think is worse than what Arkansas is. Um, And you lost that game at home in Arkansas. I don't see if Arkansas can't beat Texas A&M at home. I don't see how they can beat Alabama at home. I'm going to go with Alabama. Skyler, I've said it before. I will say it again. I'm going to keep picking against uh, Bama. Uh, pick, keep 
picking against Bama until it happens, and I will keep doing it after. I'm taking Arkansas. They uh, KJ Jefferson has shown he's got all of the talent in the world. He's uh, continuously played well um, in tough environments against tough teams. He uh, was able to torch Cincinnati. Um, again, I've heard that they, again the talks are that Arkansas is that he is to Arkansas what uh, Cam Newton was to Auburn, what Tim Tebow was to Florida. He is not not that he's going to be winning the Heisman or a national championship anytime soon. Um, but that he's the emotional soul for that team and for that and for the state and and, and for the university, um, and that and that is something that we need to take into consideration. Arkansas has done amazing kinds of things, um, in the last two years, continue to build on a very very good program. Um, this Bama team is is weak. I've said it before. Their offensive line is not holding up. It's not the offensive line of Alabama uh, offensive lines of the past. So their secondary looks weak. It's allowing up big plays, um. And those kinds of things can come back to haunt you, especially against a team like Arkansas that can score score fast and score in bunches. So let's talk Big 12 football here real quick. We'll head back to the Big 12. Number nine, Oklahoma State travels to Waco to take on number 16, Baylor, in last year's rematch of the Big 12 championship game where Spencer Sanders threw four interceptions and yet, the game still came down to a goal line stop by Dave Aranda and the bears to win it. Now had Oklahoma state won that game, Oklahoma state most likely would have been in the college football playoff last year. Um, but they weren't able to get it done. They lost their defensive coordinator in the off season and they've played really a cakewalk of a schedule so far have, uh, have the uh, Cowboys uh, central Michigan, who they beat 58 to 44 uh, Arizona state who Herm Edwards is gone. And then they played Arkansas pine bluffs. Um, not exactly a solid, uh, schedule there. Meanwhile, Baylor has now played, uh, uh, this season, Albany lost to BYU, beat Texas state handedly. And then one last week against Iowa state. Um, this is a tough game for me because despite how, despite my opinion of Spencer Sanders as a turnover prone quarterback, he's played really well so far this season, 10 touchdowns, one interception. The, uh, Alab- or the Oklahoma state offense is absolutely humming averaging almost 350 through the air a buck 60 on the ground their defense isn't fantastic this year and that's what worries me and that's where i'm going to give my nod to baylor because this ultimately is going to come down to which defense can get more stops more often and i think baylor can i think baylor's got a better defensive line i think baylor's got a better secondary um it's at baylor um blake shapen has played just as well as spencer sanders has um, I think Baylor's got a little bit better of an overall ground attack. Um, they've got a little bit better of a tandem doing it. Um, and I think the Baylor wide receivers are just as good as what Oklahoma State's going to be able to put up. The, the big thing, though, is Oklahoma State's defense is going to be tougher than what their stats look like. That's always how it's been with the Cowboys. Um, and so if Baylor can just keep the turnovers down, can they keep the penalties down? Can they own the time of possession? Because that was really their Achilles heel against BYU. Baylor's going to stand to win this game. Um, and I think possibly win this game convincingly. I'm going to take Baylor to uh, beat Oklahoma State. Uh, Skyler, who you take? Yeah, and I said, I'm, um, um, this episode, I'm probably going it alone. So it's either going to be really good for me. It's going to go really bad. Um, I'm taking I'm taking the Cowboys. Uh, I've honestly liked what I've seen out of 
um, Sanders out of this Oklahoma State team. Brady hit it kind of on the head, though. They haven't really played anyone. I think that this gives them the opportunity to show that they're a good team. Um, the fact that Spencer Sanders has only thrown one interception so far this season in three games, it's pretty good. It's pretty good considering the kind of player that we were seeing last season. He isn't making the – he isn't as uh, – uh, mistake prone as he was the uh the year before um they're not relying so much on that running bat on that running game like they had in years previous it's still a nice compliment to the game but it's uh, they're, they're averaging almost 500 yards of total offense um BYU's uh uh uh, defensive backs are still somewhat of a liability in the fact that Deckers cannot take advantage of it um uh, kind of show that they're able to do some some kind those kinds of things uh, 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 uh that wasn't able to take advantage of it like other teams had in the past um BYU was able to uh uh to own time of possession which is something I think Oklahoma State is able to do um and they are play a nice complementary uh offensive style of football and like Brady said their defense is always tougher than the statistics show and I think that that allows for them to win a close game uh in Waco so those are our picks for the uh, – oh, sorry, Mitch, I forgot to – we forgot yeah. you. I'm so sorry. Baylor, sorry. Oklahoma State, who are you taking? Yeah, I'm going to go with you with uh, Baylor. Um, I think it will be a close game, um, obviously, with just being uh, how things went last year. But I think Baylor's going to eke it out just because uh, right now Oklahoma State's not really good when it comes to uh, uh, defending the score. Right now they're 100th in red zone defense and 57th in scoring defense, while Baylor's 54th in red zone offense and the second 22nd scoring offense. So I think uh, Blake Shippen's going to be able to take advantage of that. So to update everybody, Skyler's dead last in the uh, college football pick em. Uh 14 and 11 overall record. Mitch comes in second at 16 and nine, and I'm taking first place at 18 and seven. So hey, far. hey, but hey, hey, but Brady, who's who's winning the who's winning the pro pick them right now? Oh, we'll do the pro pick them here on the next episode. <laughs> there, home skillet. Uh, so Skyler definitely needs to uh, start shaping up with some of these these outside picks, but he'll have the opportunity to do so. Um, yeah, you were the only one to pick Nebraska. You were the only one to pick North Carolina State. State. The only one well, to pick Arkansas. Pick Arkansas the, the only one, one to pick. So you'll have the opportunity. If everything goes well, you might end up tying me at the end of this week, but we'll see how it all works out. Uh, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Follow us on Facebook, or not on Facebook, on Twitter, on Spotify. Email us your guys' thoughts, fourthstringsp at gmail.com. Facebook. Oh, that's right. We do have a Facebook. Yep. Um, uh, but email us your guys' thoughts at uh, f-o-u-r-t-h stringsp at gmail.com. Um, and uh, let us know how your team's college football season is going, because ours isn't going very well. We appreciate you guys for tuning in and have a fantastic night.